Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Hey, I've got a question for you as we start our study. You go, what's that? Who was the weirdest looking person in your high school? Okay, who was? Now, don't shout it out, okay? I mean, now, it might have been a him, it might have been a her. Okay, the weird, you guys know exactly, your mind went right to that. Okay? Um, now, listen, if you're married to him, don't motion like this, okay? Don't be like, this was him. <laughs> right? Now, again, who was the weirdest? Now, for me, it was a fellow by the name of Eli Boxberger. That was his real name. Eli, and Eli Boxberger wouldn't walk on steps. He would walk on the rails. This is high school. And he'd walk on the rails all the way up, and that would be Eli. He was the, he was the weirdest person, right, that, that, that I saw. Now, again, uh, here's what I want you to think about, okay? You all have that person in high school that you thought that, was, that, that, that girl was weird or that guy was weird? Do you have him? you have him? Or was it you? Was it you? <laughs> You're like, I can't think of anybody. It's you! Here's the point. What if this person that was really strange, really weird looking, told you that you needed to follow Jesus? Would you? I mean, seriously, we made fun of Eli. I mean, we did, you know, Lord forgive us. But if he told me to follow Jesus, I don't think I would listen. You're like, yeah, yeah. But why do you bring that up, Ben? Well, guys, do you remember John, the baptizer? Do you remember him? I mean, think about this, right? We were introduced to him a few weeks back. And this dude was like amazingly super cool. I mean, I mean, really think about it. Here he was living la vida loca out in the wilderness. That's what he was doing. He wore the latest men's fashion, right? You go like what? Well, he was wearing banana camel hair republic. You know, that's what he was wearing. But not really. It was more like the Walmart camel hair men's, men's collection. That's, that's what he was. But nonetheless, it was, it was nuts. And this guy ate. What did he eat? He ate wild honey and locusts. Okay? And um, if you recall... John the baptizer was to what? He was supposed to follow the very ritualistic priesthood like his father, Zechariah. That's what he was supposed to do. Now, God called him to do something else. He chose to, to, to do what God called him to do in preparing the way for the Messiah. He says, listen, Dad, I'd really love to do this, but I can't. I'm going to go eat bugs, if you will, and I've got to tell people about the Messiah. I've got to prepare the way. Now, what you need to understand is when they said prepare the way is that when a king would come into town, very specific, the the person that would prepare the way would go before him and he would take the rocks out of the road and make sure it was smooth so the king wouldn't be bouncing all like this, right? And be like, what is going on? He would make sure. That's what John is. John goes, Dad, I'd love to follow in the priesthood. This is what I should do. But he says, I'm going to to go do this. I'm going to go do this. Now, A very notable and quotable verse, they say John is found, that that, that they say is found in John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 30. You go, well, what was that? Well, here's what I want you to think about. John the Baptist is talking with his own disciples. 
Okay, which really blows my mind. And you say, why? Because I want you to think about this for a moment. Here's a guy in camel's hair. He's got a beard, right? He's got some grasshoppers probably. No, I'm just making that stuff up. But just think he has some grasshoppers in his beard, right? And then he opens it up and says, mmm, snack. And he's out in the wilderness and he's baptizing. But he's got disciples. There's actually somebody goes, I'll follow that dude, which blows my mind. But I'll tell you why. Because here's what really starts a movement, guys. If you have a one, here's the thing. It's, it's, if somebody gets out in the middle of a crowd that they're all sitting down at and he starts to dance, tell me what you think. That dude's weird, right? Until the second person comes out and starts dancing. Now you have two. And before you know it, you have, a, you have what? You have momentum because it's like, oh, I want to do that. Everybody wants to dance, but they don't want to be the first one. But there's, think about it this way, it's Jesus. Jesus is going, hey, how many of you want to dance? How many of you want to be my disciple? And everybody's going, I don't know. What are people going to think? Oh, until you see somebody else get up there, and then you follow. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And so John the Baptist, crazy-looking dude, has disciples. Okay, now they come to him. And they start talking about the Jews and about the law. And they had been arguing about, about ritual purification. And they came to John to settle their argument. Well, here's the thing. John looked at the opportunity to explain to them that things were changing. And he says, now, speaking of Jesus, John chapter 3, verse 30, here's what he says. He says, he must what? Increase, I must decrease. He doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. He's well pleased. That's a good place for an amen, because I'm, I need that. I don't need the Lord to see me. He needs to see Jesus. And that's where faith, putting your faith and trust comes in. That's what we talk about salvation, guys. Oftentimes, so many people come forward and they say, I, I prayed a prayer, but nothing happened. No, it needs to be born again from God. There needs to be the repentance, and then there needs to be what? Christ living in me. Christ living in me. That's what he's talking about. Now, Jesus then goes on his way, do you remember where? Into the wilderness. He hangs out in the wilderness, but John continues to do ministry. What is he doing? He's increasingly decreasing, if you will. Okay, that's what he's doing. And Jesus is increasing as God's kingdom is being established. In the meantime, guess where John the baptizer ends up? That's right, prison. You guys are good, very smart, yeah. Now, here's the one thing, right? I want to point this out because I think it's highly, highly important. Okay? Listen, John the Baptist was doing God's will. John the Baptist was walking in obedience to the Lord. Everybody acknowledge that? And he still ended up in prison. So sometimes being in God's will is not going to be an easy road for you. Sometimes doing the will of God is not going to be like, oh, man, it's all, it's all rainbows and butterflies. It's so cool. God's will is just awesome. A lot of times it's... So John the Baptist, guys, he ends up in prison. Guess what he does? He's still ministering. Because here's what he does. He calls out Herod Antipas. He goes, dude, you're divorced your wife. And you're marrying your half-brother Philip's wife named Herodias. That's wrong. Don't do that. He calls them out, right? I started thinking about this. Now, listen, 
If you are 40 and above, you know what I'm talking about. Well, you may still know. I don't know. Let me ask you this. It, it sounds like this going on right here is almost like a soap opera, is it not? It's almost like a soap opera. And now, when you ask people, do you know what soap operas are? They don't know what soap operas are. Okay? Soap operas was the staple of my day. I'm telling you what, this is like a soap opera. I mean, think about it. John calls out the immoral lives, right, of the young and the restless. Not that Herod was young, just restless. Come on, Joe, you got to help me out here, bro. This is from you. This is for you. But, but, but think about it, right? I mean, this is, okay, okay, let's just, let's just truth time in church. How many of you watched soap operas when you were we used to watch soap operas. Days of our General Hospital. Get Why? We watched them because we wanted to get caught up in another world. No pun intended. And we wanted to see what was happening. And, and we, it really sucked us in, didn't it? And you're like, did you hear what someone said? They're not real people. No, they are. they are. Luke and Laura got married. I saw them. I was there. Now, the young people are like, who's Luke and Laura? Anybody know who Luke and Laura is? <laughs> yeah, all, all us old people know who Luke and Laura was. Well, when you think about it, guys, John is going to be killed. He's going to be beheaded. And he's really going to end up in a, another world, is he not? You're like, Ben, I know corny. I know corny. It'll help you remember it, though. That's where John ends up. He ends up gone. And so today we discover that Jesus is going to start his ministry by what? By calling his disciples. Now, he uses this phrase, follow me, to call Peter and Andrew, James and John. But unfortunately, in 2021, guys, that phrase, follow me, has changed over the years because we've added social media. And when you have social media, the term says it's something different. It's follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Did, are, you, are you following? Who, who are you following? Well, according to bigcommerce.com, what following, what it, does, what it does mean in social media is this. The definition in social media is a follower represents a user who chooses to see all of another user's posts and in their content feed. Okay? You go, Ben, you're, yeah, it's, it's, it's Facebook 101. You follow somebody... Okay, like in Facebook, it just means you friend them. You get to see all their stuff. Isn't that like a modern day soap opera? Right? I mean, because you're following somebody and you go, oh, they're eating steak again. I wish I could eat steak. Baby, what do we got to eat? Pot of meat. Oh, okay. Or they're posting in some, we went on vacation and look at this and all that, right? I mean, and so we're trying to live our lives through somebody else. That's what we think, follow it. Look at, look at the way I, now, again, that's, this is what we, we, we do. Come on, let's, let's be honest. We sit there and we scroll and we scroll and we scroll. And this, we're just, it's a modern day soap opera. Only it's real life because these are supposed to be our friends. Now, my wife teases me. She goes, how many friends do you have on Facebook? I say, oh, no, something like 3,000. She goes, really? How many of them will drive you to the airport? Not a one. No, I have a couple that might drive me. Adam, you drive me to the airport, wouldn't you, buddy? Okay, good. So I have one. What, Joe, would you drive me to the airport? Okay, two, two. <laughs> two friends. 
But you guys get the point, right? We, we, we follow this. As a matter of fact, you may have seen it if you have Facebook. He says Jesus is calling a Christian to follow him, and the poor fellow thinks uh, it means on social media what it means different. He says, no, no, I'm not talking about follow me on Twitter. He says, I literally want you to follow me. Jesus is trying to explain to him because that's kind of where we're at, okay? So you guys know Facebook. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a bunch, guys. I'm sorry I'm dating myself. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, Snapchat, all of this stuff. If you follow somebody, you get to kind of see their content. You go, okay. But what Jesus says, follow me, it's so much different. And see, that's what we're going to see today. That's what we're going to look at. Okay? I want to get to the bottom of what, what Jesus says, what it means to follow him. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of great, well-meaning believers who simply think that following Jesus means hitting a button. And I say that, I say that, guys, both figuratively and literally, because, because following Jesus more is, is more than just coming and praying a prayer. It's more than that. It's, it's a change. It's something that happens to you from the inside out. You go, well, let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's see. Okay, picking it up in verse 12. And it says, now, when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of, uh, of death, light has dawned. This is what John is saying. Now, Jesus goes, oh, my BFF, if you will, is put in prison. John, he's my cousin. And he goes, I got to go. So he leaves. Where does he leave? He, ne- he leaves Nazareth. Now, the reason he, needs, he leaves Nazareth, it, Matthew doesn't really tell us, but Luke does. Okay? Luke tells us in chapter 4, 16 through 20, that Jesus leaves Nazareth. Let me summarize. Jesus goes home. He enters the synagogue. Now, if you, go to, if you go to Israel today, you can go into the synagogue that Jesus actually taught. And right here in Luke chapter 4, it's amazing. And he reads in Luke chapter 4, here's what we read. He says, he opens the scroll and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed be set free. And he says, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now he's reading this. Okay. Then he tells the people that are listening. He says, today God has fulfilled this prophecy in me. And you could have heard a pin drop. And then he goes, by the way, no prophet. Uh, is accepted his own country. Guess what happened? Can you imagine? You were there, right? You, you saw the synagogue, right? That was cool. When the people heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. You, you would be too, would you not, church? Come on. If, if I got up here and said, by the way, I'm God's son. Follow me. You'd be like, uh, 
We know you. Nathalie's told us some stories about you. Seriously. Sarah's laughing over there. Come on, Sarah. But they were furious, guys. They were furious. And jumping up, guess what they did? They mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill, which, was, which is the town they built. They intended to push him over the cliff. But Jesus passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Hey, you want to plant the church? By the way, you could die. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And, and I got I to gotta hand it to Jesus because I think it's hard to do ministry when they're trying to kill you. It's hard to do ministry when, I mean, you're fearful for your life. But you've got to realize that for the three or plus years that Jesus was, that's all they wanted to do was kill him. That's all. I mean, there, can you imagine? There he is, and he's like, guys, and he's backing up, and he's backing up, right? And there's a cliff, and eventually he's just like, okay, let me just, uh, where is he? I mean, where? Ugh. So that's why he leaves Nazareth, guys. That's why he goes. All the people in Nazareth in this Luke chapter 4 have died. You go, Ben, that's a fair assumption. You guys with me? I wonder if they're like really super bummed now, going, you know, man, instead of embracing the Messiah, we, put, we tried to kill him. I don't know about you, but I would have blamed it was him. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was, I did. <sighs> but, but you understand, this is how human people are. This is, this is how we are, guys. So Jesus goes to Capernaum. And he says, oh, by the way, and it fulfills what Isaiah said. It, it actually fulfills that out of the land of, of Naphtali and Zebulun is where he's going to come. So he's fulfilling that. Okay? But Jesus did something really cool too. He made his headquarters there in Capernaum. He made his headquarters, and again, it was so cool because you've got to understand one thing, guys. There in the Galilee, okay? There in the Galilee. It was really, in your mind, it was a mixed population of, of just all kinds of people, okay? And it was actually looked down racially from the pure citizens of Judea. They would look and go, oh, Galilee? Galilee? Oh, you're from Galilee? You're from Nazareth? Because, because and, and I started to think about that, and I thought, you know what? I don't know what, what, what people don't understand, but every one of us in this room is made up of all kinds of people, we're a, we're a Heinz 57, if you will, of everything. And yet we're trying to racially divide us. We're trying to go, oh, no, you can't be this and you can't be that. No, listen, this is who we are. I got a little of this. I got a little of that. We got a little of everything in us, guys. But the enemy, because he's the father of lies, because this, he wants to divide us. Because the color of our skin because of our dialect, because of whatever, wherever, wherever our ancestors came from. No, 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 listen. The bottom line is we're all people. Not one of you bleeds any different other than red. You understand that. But yet the enemy, and see, God's like, listen, I died for all people. And, and this is why he's in Galilee. He's like, listen. And even racism was happening back in this day. It's no, it should be no surprise to us. But as Christians, as disciples, we should, not be, we should not be part of that. We should be the ones going, no, we love all people. 
It doesn't matter the color of their skin or where they're from. We love all people. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Amen. But let me ask you this. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus comes to all people? I am. And I, would, I love the fact that my king does not discount based on the color of our skin. Oh, I'm only going to save half of you because the red. No, 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 he doesn't do that. And, and another thing, too, he doesn't discount us based on our socioeconomic status, how much money we have or what part of town we, you know, he doesn't. And I'm so glad. That's good news. That's the gospel. He says, listen, he's opening up his arms open wide. He said, any of you, all of you who come, come, come. Jesus will come to all who are willing to believe and accept him as Lord and Savior. Well, it goes on. This is where he goes, but he's going to start his ministry in verse 17. Look at verse 17 with me, guys, in your Bibles. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, what's that word? What's that again? Wow. Jesus is saying, repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you realize that he's using the same message that John used earlier? This is John in the Jordan River. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, the very first words as he starts his ministry is repent. Repent. And that's so important. Because in our culture, there's teachings that go around saying, I don't care, no matter what you do, don't do it, just just do this and you'll be fine. No, Jesus says repent. We need to turn from our ways. Why? Change your heart, change your mind, change your direction. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first century Jewish hearers would have heard this proclamation warning, the imminent day of judgment. So they would have, I have to repent. I have to repent. Do you guys know what baptism is? We're having one next week. You know what a baptism is? It's an outward sign of an inward change. That's all it is. It's an outward sign. This is exactly what repentance is. It's an outward sign of, hey, listen, I turned from that way. I turned from that way. So Jesus says, hey, Here's my first words, repent, repent. Now, if we're honest, that's not really preached very much these days, is it? Repentance, it's not. It's not a popular thing. I went to that Calvary Chapel and he told me to repent. Jesus said, and we have to obey. Because it's better to obey, right, than sacrifice. It's better to obey the word. Now, Jesus continues. The beginning of his ministry, what does he do? He's going to call his disciples, and he's going to use the term, follow me. Look at verse 18. This is so cool, guys. This is going to blow your mind. There's some great nuggets here. And when Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, what were they doing? Casting the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them, and immediately they left their boat and 
their father, and they followed Jesus. Now, there are, there's some great, great stuff here, guys. So, man, if you don't mind writing in your neighbor's Bible, uh, you underline it on all of this stuff. This is good stuff. You go, why? Let me point out three things, okay? The first thing I want you to notice, okay, is their occupation. They were fishermen. They're by the Sea of Galilee, okay? And you go, okay, fishermen, cool. What a, what? It's not like us. Like when we go fishing, we go fishing for sport. Um, I don't like to go fishing. I like to go catching, if you know what I mean. Okay, sometimes when you sit there, you're just, I'm, I'm, I've never prayed more than when I'm fishing. God, please just let it bite. Lord, please, there's a fish in the, God, please, please let's let it, let it, Lord, Lord, bite. Lord, please just let it, that's what we do, right? But I will say this, going out and fishing, even if you don't catch something, is just, it's way more fun than work, is it not? So, so, take it for, anyway, they're fishermen. I don't know why I go off on these tracks, I'm just... But I want to show you something. The most important thing is the nets. You go, what? Right? The most important is their nets. You go, why? Because Peter and Andrew are doing something. What are they doing? Guys, they're casting their nets. Okay? And Jesus goes, hey, fellas, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You go, what, what, what is it about casting their nets? Guys, Casting their nets, guys, this speaks of evangelism, okay? It speaks of how we are to cast the nets of the gospel to all people around the world. You see, when God calls us, we're supposed to be casting our nets. You go, well, I'm not really a fisherman. No, 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 you're a fisher of men or a fisher of women, but as you share the gospel, you're throwing out the net. This is what, this is what Peter and Andrew did, okay? And we must preach and teach the gospel to all those around us. That's how we do it. This is how we cast our nets. But we should also live our lives because it shows more of the gospel to those around us. You know, people watch us. Oh, you claim to be a Christian? Let's see. This is what Christians, this is how we're supposed to live. Now, the gifting that God has given me as, he's, as a pastor teacher, he's given me two gifts. He's given me the gift of teaching, being able to communicate the word of God. I like what Josh says, Barney style, right? He breaks it down Barney style, which means it's easy to understand. I don't know how to take that. But anyways, I think it's cool. But he's also given me the gift of evangelism. And I, <laughs> and I got a letter. I got a letter from somebody in Amarillo, and I'm, I'm not sure how to take it other than he goes he tells me how i'm nothing special i mean not in a not in a mean way he just goes i don't understand every time you come to grace 20 or 30 people get saved and i watch and i marvel and i know that there's nothing special about you not in that way and he's telling me all this and i'm just like and he's i don't mean this as an basically what he's saying is that it's the spirit of god moving for people to get saved he goes i i just i just know I know when you talk, people are going to get saved, which is a lot of pressure because that's nothing that I'm doing. I'm just like, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, please let somebody get saved. Just one person, please, God, because, and, and man, people's hands will go up and they'll get saved. They'll open up their hearts. That's casting the net. And you guys know this. If you're going to invite anybody to Calvary, you tell them, my pastor's going to give an invitation every Sunday. Why? Because we've got to cast the net. We've got to cast the net. 
And people will stand up and say, yes, yes to Jesus. And we rejoice. You go, okay. But then Jesus goes on and he goes, James, John, yes, yes, follow me. Now, James and John, they're not casting their nets, are they? They're doing something a little bit different. You go, what are they doing? The Bible says they're mending their nets. Mending their nets, okay? Guess what this speaks of? Discipleship. Discipleship. You go, how so? Guys, you realize that as a fisherman, you had to work really hard to keep your nets in really good working order. Okay? So, um, as you use the nets, you'd come in, you'd wash them, you'd clean them. If there was any places that were broken, you'd mend them, you'd tie them up. These were your tools. Any tool guys in here? Any tools? Like, you have tools? Power tools? Right? We take care of our tools, don't we? We don't just leave them out in the rain and go, oh, yeah, no, that'll be fine. My sander will be fine. We take care of our tools, don't we, Joe? And it's the same thing. He mends them. But what, when, when Jesus goes and he talks to James and John, it's so cool because it says this is the deal. It speaks of discipleship. How so? Think about this, guys. Uh, again, we must preach Jesus to those who are saved and then this, uh, to those who are not saved and then disciple those that are saved. Because there are some times that our lives are broken just a little bit and we need a little mending. A little TLC, a little, hey, here's the word of God. Think about the net for just a minute. They're bending. They're making sure it's strong again, tight. There are times that they go, okay, this net needs some TLC, so I'm going to put it away for a minute, and we'll use this one, but, but let's make sure we work on this one. And, and that's like our lives, guys. And discipleship comes in and it says, listen, this is how we learn the word of God. This is how we do life with each other. This is the net. This is the net. So you've got evangelism and you've got discipleship. And that's what we need to be doing. That's what we need to be doing. The second thing I want you to see is something very interesting. Okay? You go, what's that? Jesus walks and he says to Peter and Andrew, follow me. And the Bible says they, what, immediately left their boat. I don't know if they pulled it in or not, but they left. They followed Jesus. Then they go a little bit and they say, um, James, John, hey, Zebedee, how you doing? Hey, I'm going to take your two boys for ministry. And the Bible says they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. They left Zebedee in the boat. You know what jumped out? Being that it's Father's Day, guys. I want to point out what a great influence you guys can be as a father. You go, why? Because Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they all had to have a dad that poured into them about God. And when Jesus came by and he called them, they felt comfortable enough to leave dad. You see, it's our influence in our children that they go, okay, my dad's taught me. My dad's taught me. You see, the relationship with dad was solid. What a great thing to be a dad. What a great thing. I mean, think about this. James, John, they could have looked at Zebedee and go, Dad, uh, Dad's going to be mad if we go. 
We're, he's, this, that we're, we're part of the fishing business. Hey, Jesus, hold on. Hey, man, what do you think, James? What do you think? I mean, this is the Messiah. He's supposed to be the Messiah. He's supposed to, yeah, I don't I mean, what are, I mean, what, They didn't. Immediately, guys. Immediately. Do you realize what happens to these guys? Do you realize? Okay? Do you realize that they all end up with mansions and three chariot, you know, in the garage? And, and, I mean, it's... No! You know what they're signing up for? Death. Eventually. How many of you want to follow Jesus? <laughs> that's what it means. It means we're, I mean, that's what we're signing up for ultimately. If this world keeps going the way it's going, this is what we're ultimately going to end up doing. Guys, they're going to draw a line in the sand one day and say, okay, if you're a believer, that's why you're here, guys, because that's how much God means to you. You have to say, yes, I'm willing. I love that Polycarp says, man, I'm going to misquote it, but I think it's 86 years, 80, 84 years, he's never let me down. Why would I let him down now? And they killed Polycarp. That's how it should be. There's a lot of stuff going on in our lives, but God has to be number one. He has to be our all in all. Because that's what we're signing up for. So when Jesus says, hey, follow me, it's like, do you realize what he's saying? Follow me. Follow me. But I love that dad is a great influence. And, and as it's Father's Day, listen, you're a great influence too. You have a choice right now. Whether your kids are little or getting bigger or, or, or they're grown. I have, I have grown kids. We can still be a good influence. What's the third thing you see, Pastor? The third thing I see, guys, is the term follow me. This is a call to discipleship. This is a call, guys, um, for every disciple, again, Think about it. Every disciple is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. In reality, Jesus calls us to bid our life gone. To be his disciple means death to me, but really in that sense, because he calls us to die. Not to be selfish, not to be self-centered, not to be egocentric, but to die, to die to self. And this is what he's talking about. And you go, what does that mean? Well, think about this, guys. These men left everything. Do you understand that? What did they leave? They left dreams of running the fishing business. They left money. They left goals, dreams, aspirations, fame, all of this stuff. They said, no, no, no. What's the reward? Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. Why would he use that term? Well, listen to what Warren Wearsby says. I like what he says. Quote, the term fishers of men was not new. For centuries, Greek and Roman philosophers had used it to describe the work of a man who seeks to catch others by teaching and persuasion. Fishers of men is but one of many pictures of evangelism in the Bible. But we must not limit it ourselves to it. Jesus also talked about shepherding. And seeking the lost sheep, so there, there was the shepherds. He would talk about the workers in the harvest field, so he, he has that. But since these four men, guys, involved in the fishing business as he walked there, it was logical for Jesus to use that approach. He says, hey, here's the deal. What is it? 
He says, I'm going to catch you so that you could catch others. Wow. You realize that Jesus saved you, not just to save you, but that he can use you to catch others. The only limit we have, guys, is ourselves. I don't feel worthy to be used by God. No, you're, he saved you to be used by God. He saved you so that you could be a blessing at your job, oh, at, at, at school, everywhere you go. That's what he saved you for. Because quite honestly, when I think of salvation, I would think that, listen, when we get saved, once we get saved, boom, he takes us to heaven. That would be great. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me my sin. That would be great, but that's not what he does. He leaves us here and we go, okay, what now? Well, now I'm going I'm to ask you to be more like me every single day. I'm going to help you through my spirit, and I'm progressively going to what? Going to sanctify you. Lord, I've been here for 40 years. I've been here 50 years. I've been serving you 60 years. More like me every single day. Every single day. That's, that's what he's called us to do. He's caught you to catch others. That's how we should influence. That's how we should influence. But why fishermen? Why fishermen at first? Every, why fishermen? Like he could have gone anywhere. Well, here's what we need to know about fishermen. Fishermen were probably some of the most hardest working people ever. Okay? They usually, professional fishermen guys would not sit around and do nothing. Well, we're waiting for the fish. Yep. Nope. They ain't mine today. We got, no, they didn't play cards and do that. Guys, here's what they did. Man, they were either, they either sorted their cats, catch, uh, prepare the catch, mend the equipment, guys. And, and so what, what uh, we can see is the Lord needs busy people who are not afraid to work. That's what he's saying. That's why he's called fishermen. But I don't know if you caught this. In both cases, they immediately left their boats and followed him. Immediately. Now, that got me thinking. That got me thinking. Do we do that, Tiffany? The Lord calls us, and I started thinking, immediately. And I started to think, well, what, what, what are some of the excuses for people going, no, 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 uh, uh, I don't know. I'll tell you one. Let me give you one, right? When Jesus calls us to be his disciple, it makes us uncomfortable. You realize that your life is going to be a life of being uncomfortable. And the problem is, is that we love comfort. We love to be comfortable. And goes, hey, Jesus says, hey, follow me. This is going to be uncomfortable. Huh? Right? You guys ever go to the, you ever go to the dentist or to the doctor and you always tell the doctor, and you ask him, what's the one thing you always ask the doctor? Whatever. Is this going to hurt? And if your doctor's really cool, he's like, no, nah, it'll just be a sting. And you go, ah, oh, that hurt. But if he's really nice, you go, doctor, is this going to hurt? What does he say? Yeah, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, Raina. It's going to hurt. Okay. And then you prepare yourself for this hurt, and it does hurt. And, but he's honest, right? This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is going, hey, listen, you want to follow me? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be spiritual attacks that you 
going to come out of nowhere and blow your mind. The enemy hates your guts. He's going to keep... There's no... He doesn't look at you and go, Oh, you're having a great hair day. I'll leave you alone today. He's always coming. He's always coming, Robert. He's always coming. But it's... But but again, here's the point. Discipleship means I'm willing to lay down my life for God. And whatever that means. Well, pastor, does that mean I still can't get married? I can't do this. I can't buy a house. No, no, no. Just remember that he calls us to be a little bit uncomfortable. Discipleship also means this. Here's another excuse. We're afraid of what people might think of us. We're afraid of what people might think. Well, what are people going to say if I'm radical for Jesus? What are people going to say? You guys realize that when you, when, when you go out and you start talking to friends and you're fellowshipping and you start bringing up the Lord, they don't invite you very much to lunch anymore, right? Uh, all, they, all he does is he wants to talk about Jesus. That's who I am. Let's talk about the Lord. Tell me what he's doing. In oh, that's so amazing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can talk about the cowboys and it can turn into Jesus. Right? Really easy. Boy, those cowboys need Jesus. (laughs) I'll just leave it there. How about this one? Here's here's another... another, um, Excuse. You'll hear many people in American Christianity don't get too radical for Jesus. American Christianity, guys, don't get too radical. Dude, dude, calm calm down. Calm down. You're a little radical. Have you ever been accused of being radical for God? Being real radical? You have, haven't you? Because the world's not used to it. A lot of us go, oh, I don't know. I'll tell, you another, I'll tell you another excuse that people have not to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, they might pray a prayer, but um, they've been hurt by a church. They've been hurt by a pastor. They've been hurt by a religious leader, or they've just been hurt by people. So following Jesus means they could get hurt again. And a lot of times their heart says, no, I don't want to do that. Guys, let me say, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will be hurt. You will. But these are excuses that a lot of people use. The Lord says, hey, follow me. I'll make you fisher. It's going to be the best thing. Now, let me tell you the difference. The people in Nazareth who wanted to push Jesus off are probably going, oh, Lord, we're sorry. Even if they went to heaven, they're going, we're sorry, Lord. The disciples who made the decision to follow, they're going, yes, best decision of my life. But Peter, history tells us you were crucified upside down. I bet that hurt. It hurt for a moment. But, you, but the weight of, I mean, seriously. God. God. Let me say this again. Our God has to be our everything. He has to be our everything. He has to be the air we breathe. Everything. That's how much he loves us. That's what he's talking about. Now, 
We've got to finish up with these last verses or we'll be here till 2 o'clock. Verse 23. And Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Thank you, Lord. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Notice what he does. And healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. So Jesus, man, here he comes. And I want you to note that phrase, the gospel of the kingdom. Because Jesus is preaching the good news that the presence of God is on earth. Here's what he's saying. I'm here. King Jesus, guys, was from the line of David. He was here. Now, we must keep in mind the prerequisites of entering the kingdom. You go, what's that? He tells us. He says repentance. He says righteousness, childlike faith, and being born again. This is what we need to be. This is what happens. But because the people rejected these requirements, Jesus taught that his earthly reign would not immediately come. Okay? Later on, in this very gospel, is going to be preached in the tribulation, just prior to Jesus coming back. But we can see that at a later time. So what is Jesus doing? Well, look at verse 24. Then his fame, throughout all, then his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases, torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Amen? That's a great place for an amen. Jesus healed them. Now, here's where your mind immediately went. Yeah, but would Jesus do that for me? Absolutely. Guys, he still heals us today. Okay? Verse 25 says, Great multitudes followed him. From where? Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, beyond. All the people came. Great multitudes. Great multitudes. Now, here's what I want you to see. Guys, I love that Jesus healed people. I love it. I love to see it in Scripture. It's scriptural. All who were sick physically, amen. Emotionally, amen. Spiritually, amen. When somebody calls me to go to the hospital, the first thing I pray for is healing based upon the word of God. But pastor, they may have cancer. I still, God can still do it. God, in your name, you told us that you could heal physically. We ask this in Jesus' name, we pray. Sometimes they don't get healed, do they? Sometimes they don't get healed. Or Jesus, let me just say this, he, he sometimes takes a loved one to heaven. He sometimes did. Guys, my neighbor, my neighbor right across last week, last Sunday after church, went over there. She's on hospice and we're praying. We're praying for her. Okay, Linda, we're going to pray just rest easy. She wakes up, she looks at us and just smiles. And then she kind of pulled back to sleep. And an hour later, she was in the presence of the Lord. But see, her body was riddled with cancer. She had it in her lungs. She had it everywhere. But here's the point. The point is, is that my God is so merciful that he says, listen, I don't want her to live forever like this. And sometimes, guys, we love people so much that we're, God, please, please heal them. Please heal them. But tell me what you think when you think of healing. 
you think of them, their younger days when they were very active, and we want them back in that way, and that's just even impossible for us as we continue to get older, right? I'm talking to my 50-plus brothers in here. Our bodies, our minds say we could do it, and our bodies go, "Mm mm-mm, you can try. I can do this. Next thing you know, and, and that's what happens, right? We, we think we can still do something. And our bodies go, well, good luck with that. So sometimes, guys, you need to understand that that healing isn't the physical healing that you want to see them. But it's, it's allowing the Lord to, to take them to heaven and let, let that shell that was, that was sick stay here. But he still heals. And he heals emotionally the things that we're messed up with, guys. Abandonment issues, all different kinds of issues that we might have. God still heals. And I know he heals spiritually. If you talk to Mike Shaw, he always says, I'll tell you. People tell him, God doesn't do miracles anymore. He goes, yes, there is. Every time somebody gets saved, that's a miracle. To be transferred from from darkness to light, that's a miracle. You're a miracle. You're a miracle that God saved you, and he's, and he's blessing you, and he's well-pleased with you. Guys, sometimes God does heal physically. He's healed my wife of cancer. I know that. Sometimes he heals of lupus or addiction or hurts or pains. God, God heals. God heals. But I want to show you something as we close. Now, I already said we closed, but I always say we close again because I'm trying to get the worship team to realize that we're closing and that we just got a few more minutes here. I want you to notice with me something, guys. Notice, look at, look at that verse at the end, verse 25. Great multitudes followed him. Do you see that? Great multitudes. You go, Ben, why would you bring that up? <sighs> because I want you to note that it's contrasted with being a disciple. You see, many, there was a huge crowd. It was a huge crowd. The problem is, guys, and and I need to confess to you, is that we're often focused on the crowds. Well, see, look, 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 the crowds followed him. The crowds, look, that's a lot. Lord, can we just have some peace? Lord, and, and we all want the great multitude added to our name. So how are you doing in Lubbock? Well, been there. So yeah, we have five services. Can't keep the people from coming, man. That's a, we have the great multitude. That's amen. But that's not Jesus. Now, I don't say that because we have a small church. You understand that most pastors say that. Be, well, well, you know, don't despise the small things. We all want big, we all, we listen, we need people. We want to reach Lubbock and Texas and the United States, and the world for God. Can I get an amen? We all want that. So yes, I would love every blue chair filled up three times over, but not for my sake, but because God is making disciples. But we don't want just the crowd. We don't want just the crowd. What we really want, if we're honest, is we need to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I'll tell you why. Because right here, because of the healings, because of his fame, they all got excited about what was happening. Oh, we, we got we to gotta go. 
we got to go. But quite honestly, let me give you reality. Here's what, here's what people saw. We got, oh, I heard him. I heard him heal, which is great. But we, and so the multitudes were coming all over. The multitude. Baby, let's go. We're going on a journey. We've got we to see this Jesus. And I would too. But in reality, John chapter 6, verse 66 says this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. When he couldn't feed him anymore, when he didn't feed him anymore, when, when the reality hit the road, when, they, when he realized what a discipleship really was, many of his disciples said, no thanks. Sweetie, let's go home. Well, I thought we were going to follow Jesus. No, he's not what I thought. I thought if we were going to follow him, we would be wealthy and, and uh, we'd be part of his multi-level marketing and we could have it. Nah, that's not who he is. I, I read the pamphlet. He, he, he bids us to die. And many of his disciples, and they walked with him no more. In two weeks, we're going to celebrate our Independence Day. And you guys know what happens. It's a great day. And in the evening when it gets dark, you'll sit on your lawn chairs, you'll find a great place, and you'll see some of the greatest fireworks there ever was. And what do you do? Ooh! Ah! Wow, they're great. They're great. When the fireworks were done, many go home. Well, that's it. Pack up, let's go beat the crowd. And we get in our... But when the smoke clears, the stars are still shining bright. You see... When there was no more fireworks with Jesus, the people went home. But the disciples were the stars that were still shining bright the next day. So my question to you, when Jesus says, follow me, are you a firework? Beautiful, amazing, but gone? Or are you a star that when the smoke clears, you're still going to be faithful? You're still going to That's what God is asking us to do today when he says, follow me. Father, we thank you for your word today and your truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, like I said, I never want to leave, um, I never want to leave a study, Lord, without giving people an invitation to join the family of God. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I would just ask, is there anyone here today that has not fully surrendered your life to Jesus. You're not a fully devoted follower of God. You don't even know him. As a matter of fact, you're sitting here going, man, I feel bad, Pastor Ben, I feel like I'm a million miles away from him, man. I'm like a million miles away. And, and, and listen, you may feel that way right now, but understand you're one decision from coming to him. And all you have to do is open up your heart and invite him inside. You go, how? You don't understand. Well, that's the beauty of my God. The power of his Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart right now, and all you have to say yes to him. Confess your sins. Believe in him. 
and ask him to come in and guide you. He'll do that. Well, Ben, I'm not sure how. Well, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity. To do what? Just to lift up your hand. You might be here going, I, 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 want, to be, I want to be saved today. I want to be in the family of God. I've been, I've been wandering from him. I've been running from him. But somebody invited me to church today, or I felt like God was calling me here, so, so I opened up my heart. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want to be saved. I want to know that when I die, I'll go to heaven. I want a new, I want a new lease on life today. I want Jesus. Would you just do that right now? If God is speaking to you, this is between you and the Lord, just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, nobody will see you, but I want God to see your heart. If you're watching online, I can't see you, but, but God does. Just lift up your hand. God bless you, sister, in the back. Amen. Anyone else? God is moving. God, anyone else? Just open up your heart. Say yes to God today. God bless you here. God bless you, my brother in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you lifted up your hands, would you just pray this prayer with me? Just mean it, and, and then listen, don't leave, because we have a Bible and a Bible study guide we want to just give you so you can get going, but would you just pray a simple, it doesn't have to be word for word for what I say, but just know that in your heart, say something like this, Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. I am a sinner. I confess that to you right now. I repent of my sin. Lord, I'm going to turn from, from that way, and I want to follow you. Lord, will you forgive me of my sins? Would you wash them as far as the east is to the west? Lord, please. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you, Lord, rose again and are interceding for me right now. That's how I know your Holy Spirit is there. So I'm asking you, Jesus, would you come into my heart? I I need help. And I'm asking you, would you be my Lord? Guide me. Would you be my Savior? Guide me to heaven when it's my time. Would you be my God? Lord, would you be my friend? Because I declare today and I choose that I'm going to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, man, if you prayed that prayer, here's what's happened. The Bible calls it born again. God... The Lord Jesus has just given you a brand new... I mean, you don't even know what's happening. You're just like, whoa. Man, your sins are forgiven. All your past, your present, your future sins are forgiven. Them. The Holy Spirit is going to come live inside you. We pray that you would be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And uh, what's my next step? You ready? The next step is you need to tell somebody. You go, what do I tell them? Tell them, man, I gave my life to Jesus today. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I gave my life to God. And then the next step after that is, listen, if you want to make a public declaration, sign up because next week we're having a baptism and that's where you tell all your family, I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't forget, we're in Revelation on Wednesday night. We're in chapter 13. The mark of the beast is this Wednesday. If you can't make it, tune in online. And the next week, we'll continue to see Jesus in the Mount of Beatitude. God bless you guys. Have a great Father's Day. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.